Hey, welcome to Hoops Coaching A to Z with me. Whoa, whoa, hang on. Let's let a professional handle this. <laughs> this is Hoops Coaching A to Z with my husband, Coach Terry Canova. This is a deep dive into all things coaching. Come join us as we visit with some of the best coaching minds in the business to help grow our profession. Here you go, honey. Back to you. Right. I am so excited for this episode. Uh, this week, we've got Miss Raven Justice, head coach at Sam Houston State University, uh, Southland Conference Coach of the Year in 2019, and more importantly, around 1999, <laughs> she was one of the best recruits I ever signed out of Atlanta, Texas. Welcome, Miss Raven Justice. What's up, coach? What's going on? Thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate being here. You know, uh, the, the folks at home cannot appreciate the technical difficulties we've been having. <laughs> That's what you get when you get an old 55-year-old man trying to use a computer and a young buck. <laughs> it just wasn't, it, it wasn't matching up right, very well, Rafe. <laughs> no, nah, we got to figure it out now. We should be good. We should be solid. Well, girl, I, I cannot tell you how proud I how proud I am of you. I know uh, we don't talk nearly as much, but but I, I I I try and keep up with you, and and to think, you know, way back when uh, I, I'll never forget. I went and saw you playing a volleyball game in high school, and I don't remember what happened. The schedule wouldn't work. I couldn't see a AAU game or whatever, but but I got to see you come playing volleyball, and I remember you were like. Miss Atlanta High School. And, uh, and and I went back and told my boss, I said, we got to have this girl on our campus. Uh, so, Yes. Um, being from a small town, I had the opportunity to play way more sports than probably anybody else my age at the time. I played five sports at Atlanta. I played volleyball, ran cross country, basketball, softball, and was on a state track team. So, um, I had the opportunity to be well rounded, and I, I totally remember you sitting on the first bleacher, and you was like, "There's a lot of people in this little gym for volleyball." And I'm like, "Cause there's nothing else to do here." <laughs> and so I totally remember that. And what ended up happening was uh, the the schedule conflict was because y'all was going to start conference earlier that year, and so our basketball season was later. So it was only the only opportunity you got to see me besides watching me play at camp at Louisiana Tech for you to come out and see me. That's right, the old lady texture camp. I, I had uh in on last week's episode, I had Coach Brooks Donald at ULM, and uh she was a lady texture uh camp worker. Uh the week before that, I had Coach Brian Rosario, who's at Pepperdine now. He was a lady texture camp worker. So it's amazing all of the people those lady texture camps uh, brought into the coaching business. Man, I was I was telling some of my players, like, I know AAU is a thing now, but camp was the thing when I was in school, like. If you went to a camp and you got to meet so many other coaches, you actually got to have a relationship with them. There was going to be camp counselor, camp coaches, the whole time recruiting you. So it was pretty cool. Um, that was my first time meeting Christy Curry yep. um, and Kim Mulkey. So, you know, I, I just had that access that I think that they missed because of the AAU circuit. But I enjoyed going to camp. Well, you know, I, I worked at camp for 10 years. And uh, I guess the last couple of years, they kind of made me like a director. And and I 
you know, some of my my best contacts in the coaching business were from that Lady Texture camp. And uh, and also it's probably, you know, I graduated from Louisiana Tech. So probably the fact of me graduating from Louisiana Tech and the contacts from that camp are probably the reason I'm still coaching women's basketball today. I mean, it's just some great people there. Absolutely. I think that, you know, um, I met two colleagues at camp and we both went out to different schools, but, you know, we're really close right now. And it's just, it's crazy. You, you're absolutely right. Those camps bring you closer together and they're lifelong friends that you have a relationship with today. Well, and, and you know, get, you know, today's episodes to talk about you and talk about your journey. But to get off topic a little bit, that's something for uh, any young players out there listening or young coaches. Get to those camps, work those camps when you can. I know the NCAA has some different rules now, but it's it's nothing you can you can't put a price tag on building those relationships when you spend ten hours a day with folks at camp. I mean, you just can't put a price tag on that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We tell kids all the time, like if you come to camp, you get a true evaluation because you get feedback from a coach. It's not where AU where we just write in the book whether you're good enough or not good enough. But you know, coaches actually they're giving you feedback, giving you skill instruction. So we make it we make it our point if we're recruiting kids that we don't have a relationship with, hey, come to camp. We get to spend 10 to 12 hours with you and see if it's a fit on both sides, see if it's something that you're really interested in. Because camp, it not only gives you the opportunity to have that feedback and that dialogue with coaches, it gives you the environment that you're either comfortable in or you're not comfortable in. Right. And so, you know, that's what we encourage. Yeah, I know AAU is a big deal right now, but, you know, if we really recruit you, we want you to come to camp, you get to meet our players. You have to meet like people on campus that, you know, you would be around every day. So camp is something that I, I truly, truly try to invest in because it builds the bloodline to my recruiting. So yeah, no, no question. You know, when I was at Nichols and I was at um, well, I was at Nichols, I was working late texture camp. But when I was at ULM, we really used our elite camp a lot for, for we signed a lot of kids to ULM from, from elite camp because. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, like you say, instead of just watching and evaluating a kid and, and looking at the game, now you get to know the person. And 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 the person also gets to know you and gets to know that relationship. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about Raven Justice. So so Raven Justice in, in Atlanta, Texas, was what what drew you to Nichols? Uh, was it the small town feel as well? I mean, what what was it? What was the big thing about Nichols? No, I can remember um being at Latech Camp. And Leon Baumark called me over and he, he used to get these gold beads out. Yes. Like if he did something really, really good, like he would give you these gold beads. And he was like, well, young lady, you have a lot of gold beads, but what's your favorite part about camp? I was like, Coach Canova. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, it's not me. I was like, man, you cool because you walk around with the gold beads and that's the thing. But I was like, Coach Canova, I was like, he's really, really cool. Like he's somebody you can talk to. And, you know, when you go to camp and stuff like that, you're intimidated because you're around so many other athletes. And I, I didn't. I'm from a small town. So, you know, no one from a small town really thinks where well, somebody's better than me because you just don't think that way. Um, so when I walked in, I was like, oh, man, this dude pretty cool and stuff like that. And, and everybody, we had all the camp stuff that you have to do. And, and like you never shied away from giving us conversation or just hanging out with us. And I told Chrissy side that at um, ULM, too, like, you know, we had the opportunity to be coached by some really good players. And so um, I think I think it was more relationship because I come from a small town. I'm the youngest of six. So relationship was really, really important to me. And so probably like the mid of my senior year when coaches 
started believing how good I was, like Coach Ish at Ole Miss, and all that. Yeah. It was too late because I'd already had a relationship. And yeah. so it was it was a relationship piece with me. I didn't I didn't really care about the logo. Um, because where we're from, like nobody nobody really cares about that type of stuff. Um, I've been going to tech camp for like three years. So I knew what exposure was, but it like I wasn't into the hype. So I wanted a relationship with somebody that I could talk to that when I got homesick, when I had boy problems, like so. All that stuff played a big part of like, hey, why I chose, why I chose Nichols would have been such a small school. Well, well, that now is going to be the quote from our podcast. Raven Justice, big time recruit, is around Leon Barmore, Christy Curry, Kim Mulkey, John Ishi, Christy Sides, and yet she want to go play for Coach Canova. It was a relationship. So it was, it was kind of weird thinking back on it, but man, I didn't need the logos. And we try to tell people that today. And it's, it's really hard for them to understand like, man, that relationship, relationship piece is going to be so much crucial when you get on campus, when you're away from home. Yeah. And, and, and then what, what I'm ashamed to say, then coach Canova decides to go to ULM and, and, and leave his girl. And, and so, leave me. Oh, and leave no. me. You, you, Believe me, if they would have had the transfer port, I would have been just fine back then. I just know. fine back then. We we were sure enough took you to Monroe with us. Well, <laughs> you, you know, and and honestly, you know, that is the toughest thing. Uh, you know, as a, as a recruiter, and and you know, you 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 build these relationships, and 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 we, and we try and tell these players, you know, the relationships important, but you also make sure the school is a fit. Because you just don't know. I mean, you know, that, that was a situation in, in my life where, where I had to make that move to Monroe for, for my family. And it was tough because I remember, you know, I mean, you, you, you were my girls. I mean, you and, and, and Mandy and Heidi and, and, you know, all those girls, uh, you know, y'all were my people. And, and, and it was hard, man. It, it, it was hard. And it's so, it's so conflicting when, when, you know, because the last thing I ever wanted any of my girls to think was I was, I was bailing on y'all, but I know to some extent it probably felt like that. It's like, look at this knucklehead. He got me over here to Thibodeau, Louisiana. And now, now he's going up the road, you know, so that's gotta man, be tough. Got me down here with all this swamp land that I don't have no idea where I'm going. Um, you know, it was it was crazy because I can remember like the conversation when it happened. Um, when you tried to be very transparent with us. Um, I can remember like leading up to that, and you was like, Hey, like, I got some things going on in my personal life, I might have to make a move. And so, you know, 18, 19 year old, we don't think that's like, oh, well, he's gonna take another job. We're thinking, oh, Coach Tanova, go go home, go to sleep, get in that blue truck and be back at practice in the morning. So, you know, I can remember leading up to that and and us not thinking it was a big deal. And then like, once you have that, that feeling of um, that hole that some just doesn't connect anymore, you know, I think it's hard on, on a lot of people and you're right. It's like, Hey, these coaches talk about relationships and what they're going to do for you when you come to school and, and how they're going to lead you. And they do have to make tough decisions for family health, um, just things that's out of their control. And it does. And I'm not saying like it makes players feel bitter, but it, it gives players uncomfortable it's like a family member leaving yeah yeah and so the empty room is where you stop every day to give your sister a hard time and your brother a hard time and uncle and then like that void is hard to feel so it kind of gives you an uneasy feeling and I think a lot of us not struggle with that but felt that um 
And so I can I can totally remember the day you came in and you tried to tell us about it and you're very emotional. And I can remember like people was like, Coach, you know I'm coming back tomorrow. And I'm like, I, I don't know, man. I've seen this, I've seen this before. He really ain't coming back. And so I can remember that situation. Yeah, that, that's that's tough. And and you know, uh whew, it's, it's it's even it's even kind of emotional to to even talk about now and it's been it's been so long you know i yeah. i guess the, the the good news is the, the the encouraging thing is look at you now now you're a head coach on a division 1 level and so thankfully thankfully you turned out well and so so i can be very very grateful and i can sleep well at night knowing that it, <laughs> you didn't ruin my life no it didn't ruin your life and and maybe maybe it was a little spark for you yeah. You know, maybe it was a little spark for you. And and uh, anyway, so I tell you what, Raven, let's do this. We're going to take a quick break and, mm-hmm. uh, and and pause for one of our sponsors. And then we'll be right back. Sounds good. Want to get away for the best vacation ever? Consider a group trip, whether a cruise or an all-inclusive resort. Let Toes in the Sand Travel help you get there. There are some amazing perks for group cruisers. Trust us, we do one almost every year, and we help so many of our friends as well. For a trip of a lifetime, give us a call. You can message me on Facebook at Kimberly Tanner Canova, or you can find our Facebook page, Toes in the Sand Travel, but be sure it's the one that has our smiling faces on there. Just reach out, we'll help you. Hey honey, will you get packed? We got a cruise ship waiting on us now. <laughs> Let's go. All right, so uh, welcome back, welcome back, and by all means, reach out to my lovely bride, Kim, and uh, let her help you with the next trip. We got us uh cruise. Matter of fact, when this thing airs, I may just be on a cruise at that time. You just never know. We're always out there traveling. And, uh, so hit us up. Uh, but back to Raven Justice, head coach at Sam Houston State University, one of my dear, dear friends. And I call her a friend now, but she was one of my favorite kids on the planet. Uh, didn't get us get to spend as much time as I would have liked with her. We, we brought her in uh, to Nichols. Uh, from from Atlanta, Texas, and uh, but so proud of her doing great things. So, Raven, you, let's talk a little bit about now. So, we all know you were a great player. What made you decide to be a coach? And and let's talk about that process of you growing as a coach to become what you are today. My transition from player to coach was a little bit different. Um, I went to school because I wanted to be a judge. So I never thought that I would be coaching. And so the first time after graduating from college, Waste God had invited me down to just kind of watch him do camps a little bit. And, and I wanted to go play overseas. So he was like, hey, you can come do camps and just wait to see where you want to go play overseas and then work for me. I was like, I'm, I don't think I'm really good at the coaching thing just because I'm so passionate. And, you know, I don't think it comes off the right way sometimes. He said, you'll be fine. And so, you know, that transition, I graduated early um, in April and I was on campus by June. So the transition was I thought I was really going to be going down there working the summer and things like that. And probably to fall a little bit because he was at a junior college, Grayson um, Community College. Mm -hmm. So I I go down there in the summer 
he puts me in the dorms. I had to be over the dorms. And then I, I worked the girls out in the summer. He was like, yeah, I'm just going to hire you for the rest of the year. And if it's not something you want to do, that's fine. So my transition was different. I know a lot of kids going to the DOB position or the graduate assistant, but I went straight to junior college, which I'm grateful for um, because my transition from player to coach, it, it had to turn around really fast. I had to mature a little bit faster. I had to be able to instruct and teach a little bit better. Um, but the crucial piece was I had to learn how to build a relationship with kids my age that, you know, that were playing for me. And those boundaries was important um, to learn as a young coach. So, you know, that transition helped me to grow up a lot faster. And by the end of the year, I wanted to coach because I love the relationship part. Um, because I, I tell anybody coming from a small town, you get to mingle with so many people that you're the people person or you're not. So I'm a people person. So it worked out in my favor. But so I, I enjoyed those relationships. I enjoyed teaching. So I knew I wanted to be a coach. And so I knew that I didn't want to take the fast pace going right into Division One because I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready for the recruiting piece. I wasn't ready for, you know, everything else. I needed to grow up a little bit. And so with him giving me that opportunity, I found my way pretty early. So I would tell any young coach, you know, it doesn't matter if you're at the high school level, the junior college or a Division One. the work is the work. Yeah. You have to be good at the work. Yeah. And so um, I tell my I tell my young coaches three things. You don't know everything. You got to learn some things, but you got to be passionate about it. So, you know, that was my pretty much my transition from player to coach. And, and I'm glad that I got to start with someone I knew. Well, you, you know, you, you make a, good, a couple really good points there. Uh, when I was talking with Brooks on last week's episode, one of the things I told her was I love the game of basketball. Uh, but but I think the thing I like the most is the relationships and the people. You know, uh, do, doing this here, you know, get, getting to see former players and, 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 and getting to have these conversations. The other thing you just mentioned is not knowing everything. You know, here I am, 50 years old, uh, you know, whatever, 400 wins as a, head, as a high school head coach, uh, uh, 55 years old coaching 30 years, but yet before this podcast, I'm watching videos of, of coaches. I'm reading books, you know, and, and I think it, it goes to that next thing you said, the, the passion. You got to have passion. You got to love people and you got to be willing to continually learn. Mm -hmm. it, you know, once you get complacent, once you get comfortable, and the learning stops, then, then you got to find another another job to do, I believe. Yes, um, our profession is ever-changing. Um, we went from, everybody want to say, we went from relationship, now we're, we're transitioning to transactional coaches, transformational coaches. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that the piece of, if you don't know how to recruit these new generation kids, you're not going to have a job. If you don't know how to teach it, I mean, we got kids after five seconds, it's like Snapchat. They, they don't forgot to play. So you, you have to you have to really adjust to them. And, you know, I think the biggest piece that I do um, every year is I go to clinics and, you know, like what's the new technology out? You know, what's the new way of, of teaching? What's the biggest curve of recruiting? Because I do want to stay fresh. I do want to continue to be good at what I do. But I also understand I have to learn. Um, I don't. I don't think I ever read as many books in high school since I've been <laughs> since I've been out of high school. I'm just trying to teach me how to to better cope with things that players are going through. My relationship with my players, 
um, being okay with um, being uncomfortable because a lot of us are uncomfortable with the new type of recruiting, the new players. Um, and I want to be okay with being uncomfortable to situations that I'm not comfortable with and things like that. So you're absolutely right. You know, growing and learning and, and just being okay with not knowing everything. I think that's what some of the coaches struggle at is they got to know everything. My players will tell you the first thing I say, Hey, I don't know it all, but it's, it's a couple of things I do know how to do and that's win. So. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, you, you've always been a winner. Um, so, so you're at junior college and you mentioned uh, coach Wade Scott, uh, you know, it's funny. That's a name I hadn't heard in a, in a while. And I remember Wade was good friends with, with my buddy, Chris Harris. And so that's how I got to know, know Wade. Uh, so you go from Clarendon at, at some point you end up at the university, university of Houston. So, so now how was that going from a junior college to now major D one basketball? You know, I went for I went from Grayson, then I went to HBU, but they were transitioning to Division One. Right, and people don't understand that transition piece is so tough. You're trying to get you know to the next level with players, facilities, um, recruiting, low budget. So um, I had that little stint at HBU, and then I went to the University of Houston, and now it's like Power Five. Right. So um, I never forget. You know, I worked for Todd Buchanan, and the first thing he said was you're either going to be really, really good at this level or you're going to be really, really bad. There's no in-between. And so um, I asked Wade what that meant. He was like, you're either going to be fired pretty fast. So you better <laughs> figure it out. And, and the biggest transition piece from that junior college to Division One was time management. Mm -hmm. I had to really manage my time because I had to give workouts with my guards. I still had to recruit. I was still on the phone. Um, at that time, like phone calls were the thing. It wasn't so much of text messages and things like that. So time management was crucial because if I set up a call at seven o'clock for um, a recruit, the head coach, myself, you know, it wasn't like I can be like, well, hey, I hit you back later. It didn't work like that. The recruit moved on to the next coach. So, you know, time management was the biggest piece because I'm thinking about all of that, but I still got to go to bed at night. <laughs> like, so, so our mornings would start like everybody else morning at six o'clock. In the morning with strength and conditioning, but we were at a program where somebody we rotated where coach was down there yeah. every day. So um time management was the biggest piece to to have that type of workload with balance because you need both. You have to have both to yeah. be successful. Yeah. If if you don't have some balance, you you'll not only be successful, but you'll kill yourself. Burn out real fast. Yeah, you know, um, we were talking about that the other day with my athletic director. You know, I, I've been now at the same school uh, going going to be starting my 17th year and uh, left from a division one coach for eight years. And 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 that's one of the things that he said he was comfortable hiring me because he could tell that I had enough of that craziness, you, you know, and, and he, what he didn't want. He's always been shy about hiring college coaches because too often you hire a college coach, the next thing you know, they're back in college a couple of years, then you got to hire somebody else. Mm -hmm. you know, but, but it was, I, I was burnt out, you know, uh, I, I was burnt out and, and, uh, and, and I'm better off now. So, so what's, what's been your, uh, your key to, to avoid the burnout? You know, the biggest thing I do is, is my family. And what I mean when I say I do, I do make time for my family. Yeah. And so I, I try to make it where, you know, I stay on routine with, with my daily routine and, and the times that I have off, I don't overwork. You know, I know with some coaches, they say, 
you know, ball is life. Ball is not life. Like they people got to quit making those shirts. Um, <laughs> I, I, I make a lot of time for my family. And you've been around my parents. My, um, my mother is very religious and I'm not saying very religious, but she's Baptist. So um, we grew up in the church. So anytime like I get to come home, go to church, go, go hang out with family. It's really good. Yeah. And so I don't, I, I refuse to be one of those coaches. I look back and be like, well, all I did was work. Yeah. I don't want to look like that. Um, I want to enjoy life. And so I balance it out with my family and kind of like you, I, I enjoy my downtime. Yeah. On my downtime, I enjoy it. I don't try to think about work. And, you know, these young coaches are always talking about, you know, the different type of things with social media and things like that. But what they don't realize is those kids are going to be kids. That's why we can't reach them on the phone all the time because they're kids. They're hanging out with their friends. Right. So, right. you know, you have to you have to find the things that's important to you to balance out your job. And mine is my family. Yeah. So so now you you make that step from from being uh, that power five assistant coach and now a head coach. So for, for all of our young aspiring people out there uh, that are looking to make that transition, you, you know, what what's some advice you might, you might be able to offer? Off of them out there? You know, the biggest thing is when, when you're assistant coach, you start finding role models and people that you idolize that you want to be like, um, that's at that, that division one level that's successful. And it was one thing that I learned early on is like, I got to be okay with who I am and how I do things. Mm-hmm. And so the advice I give them is you can be true to you and still be successful. Um, that's why there are so many different successful coaches because they they're successful in different ways. And so, you know, don't try to mimic someone else's style. Don't try to mimic another coach. What you do is you, you grow in the things that you really like about a coach or what they do. You keep that in your backpack, the things you don't, you don't put it in the backpack. And so, you know, you just have to be able to, to understand that you can be true to yourself and do it your way. You just have to find how to be successful your way. And I I never wanted to be one of those coaches that, that, you look at me, you're like, man, she reminds me so much of such and such. No, that's because I mimic that them so much. So I just wanted to, to be myself and find success, you know, my way. Yeah, yeah. T- a typical day for Raven Justice during the season. What's what, what's Ooh. a typical day for big time Division One uh, head coach? Are, are we talking about if I won a couple of games or we lost a couple of games? Uh, well, let's let, let's talk about. Uh, uh, that's a that's a really good question. That's a really well, good question. Well, my, my routine during the year is um I get up right around 5:45. Um, six o'clock, I do my devotional. Um, I try to get a small workout in. 7:30. I'm on hey, the phone. Let me let me let me stop you there. Let's let's talk about your devotional a little bit because because that's something, you know, and we've had an episode on this about about you know, building yourself and, and, and character and, 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 and being that, that, that total leader. So, so if you don't mind, share a little bit about uh, your devotional and, and, and something that you may do uh, in terms of that. So I got, I got this book and I get one every year um, with a hundred scriptures um, for devotional reading. So um, I read my devotional and my scripture, um, just try to ease my mind in the morning my mom's going to text the scripture around eight o'clock when she said it to work. Every um, morning, so, she's going to text your scripture. Every morning, I'm going to get that scripture at eight o'clock like I'm leaving. So <laughs> I get it in. I relax. I just try to, honestly, I try to think about how I can be a better Christian if we're just being honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to be a better Christian. So I, I try to do that for like 30 minutes. 
After that, I try to get a small workout in. When I'm working out, I, I try to listen to a podcast. And when COVID was around, like you had so many different podcasts. Yeah. And so um, my biggest one uh, was TD Jakes. I would listen to him in the morning, just trying to build my positivity up. Um, then I get on the phone around 7.30, see if my coaches are headed to the office so we can talk about what we're going to meet about. I, everybody's got to be in the office at 8.30. I'm an early person. Everybody got to be in the office at 8.30. Nine o'clock, we meet. My nine o'clock, um, first thing we do is our players that's on campus, we make sure that somebody touch, reach out to each player. Um, suicide rates was out the roof. So we made our nine o'clock meetings about, hey, make sure a coach reach out to each player every day. Don't, yeah. It's not about basketball, about life. Yeah. So let's do that. So our nine o'clock, we, we, we talk about our returning players and daily life with them. 9.30, we go into recruiting. 10 o'clock, we go into practice. Um, if I'm if I'm having a really good day, that means probably 20 minutes long to talk about practice. If we lost, that, that means can go about an hour and a half for me. <laughs> right, right. Um, <laughs> 11 o'clock, um, we talk about, and this is big to me because I, I don't work good if it's not organized. We talk about what we're going to discuss in film because coaches can get in there and I've done it and you're just raving. You're, you're upset. So, you know, we talk about film and the things that we want to talk about, not just watching it. Um, we go to practice. After practice, um, I meet with a player every day for 15 minutes. Um, after that, we, I say we, because if I'm in a good mood, we meet after practice just to talk about how practice went. If I'm in a bad mood, I'm still on the gym floor talking to coaches about what we didn't get accomplished in practice. Um, after that, I come up, I watch practice film. Around seven o'clock, I leave the office. I'm cooking dinner. I turn off my phone at 10 o'clock. So from 7.30 to 10 is when I make rec recruiting phone calls, anything like that. After 10, I'm off. I'm off work. I, I, I reach out to my family. I talk to my sisters and stuff like that. On Sundays, I block my I block my window from 8 to 1. I go to church at 11. I get out around 12.30. Um, 1 o'clock, I'm talking to my family, FaceTime and things like that. So I just try to keep it very simple. Yeah, well, that, that, that's that's cool. I, I I love I love hearing that the day in your life. Now, uh, it, it'll be you know one day when I'm sitting around my office and I, and I think you know Raven Justice pops in my head. I'm gonna say, oh, is, man, what time is it now? Oh, she's probably chewing those coaches out right now. She's she's she's, she's making those coaches work right now. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that, that that that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Well, you know, uh, again. One one of the great things about social media is to be able to stay in touch with folks, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, God forbid when, when, when I, when I pulled out of, out of uh, Thibodeau, Louisiana and headed, headed North many, many years ago, you know, it, it, it would have been really sad to, to never be able to keep, keep tabs on you guys, you know, cause, cause, you know, y'all meant the world to me, you know, as a, as a, as a young coach and, and as a new college coach and, and um, and so by with social media, even though we don't we don't have these kind of conversations as often as as we, we should, it, at least I can every now and then I can peek at you, you know, and I can see, OK, yeah, she's 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 doing great. You know, and so, uh, again, girl, I, I cannot begin to tell you how proud I am of you. Uh, you, you know, I love you. you. You know, you've always been a special, special person to me, even though we, we only spent a, a small window of time together. So I, I appreciate you making time for us today. Um, I tell people all the time, you know, I think our relationship started way before I got to Nichols, which made it cool. I got to I got to know you at camp for the last two years. But 
um, people ask me all the time. I ran into you on the road one time mm-hmm. and we, you were just eating and we were passing through <laughs> and you was like, Raven? And all, of, all my kids are like, how do you know him? I was like, oh, that's Coach Canova. That's who I signed with out of high school. And they was like, what do you mean you signed with him? I was like, oh, that's the school I signed with. And so, you know, just saying that, you realize the relationships matter. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes we we get so caught up in, well, I went to this college, I went there. And it wasn't about that, you know, when I was picking or when I was deciding, it was about the people. And so, you know, I I, I sometimes phrase it, oh, I signed with Coach Canova, rather than, hey, I signed with Nichols out of high school. And so, you know, um, I love you. I appreciate even the tough the tough talks. I'll never forget my first breakup in college. And you said, girl, this is puppy love. You know how many lovers you're going to have in college? And I was like, but this is the one, coach. You was like, he going to be the one. And when you go off and be married, you're going to forget about that sucker. And so you was very transparent. And, you know, you always you always had a big heart. And, you know, whether we wanted to hear it or not, you was going to give it to us. But it always came out of love. So, you know, I do appreciate that because, you know, I, I do feel like some kids miss that piece. Some kids miss the opportunity to actually get a relationship with their coach beyond the basketball court. So, you know, I love you and I'm always going to do whatever I can for you. Well, you know, I look forward to uh, the next Final Four that uh, that I'm able to be at and, and and get to see you, maybe get to see you speak again. Because I want to say one of the Final Fours I was able to go to, I got to got to see you. And, and, and that, you know, I mean, goodness gracious, how, how cool is that as, as a coach to see one of your players – or former players presenting at the final four that, you know, that's, that, that's special. That's special. I think you was kind of shy. You were at the Nike table and you was like, Raven. I was like, yeah, <laughs> kind of doing a small presentation today at the Nike WBCA, but it's pretty cool. I think that the coolest piece is that, you know, um, we can always count on you. You know, you was never a coach that, that, that hit they face during tough times. You was always like, this is what it is. You know, this is what we got to get through. And so, you know, I think that people, People don't get that now, and and that's something that you can always remember that you was always transparent with your players. Well, love you, girl. Again, thanks so much. I I, I know uh, some of these uh, some of these young buck coaches that that listen to this. You know, uh, ho- hopefully they get some value in it and 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 see that you know it doesn't matter where you start if if you if you put your things in perspective and and you put in the work. You know, any, anything's possible. Anything's possible, and and uh, and I love the fact that that you start your day to with a, with a blank slate and get grounded every day with something positive. You know, because absolutely, you know, God bless you. Know, right there in your state. You know, we just had this horrible, horrible tragedy. You, you know, uh, you, you can't you can't take anything for granted. Absolutely, you, you can't take any 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 day for granted, and so. Uh, much love to you. you. You know, I'm, 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 well, I was going to say I'm your number one fan, but they got a couple in Atlanta, Texas. That's probably <laughs> right, right up there with me, but, but uh, always got your back, baby girl. If you ever need me, you know, you know how to find me. Love you. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, we'll have to do this again soon. Absolutely. Love you. Appreciate you having me on. And you know, if there's any way I can help anybody in this culture profession, don't, don't hesitate to reach out coach. All right, sweetie. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode. A big thank you to everyone who has continued to make this podcast become so popular. 
please continue to share with your friends and colleagues. And when you have time, please take a minute to give it a five-star rating. Until then, we'll see you on the next episode.